0: transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. It's nighttime in the Mojave, and it's our favorite time of year. Uh, Time for campfire stories. Well, everybody gather? It's around the shoulders, maybe some hot chocolate or a hot toddy to warm the hands and the heart. Just you and me. And red, blue, black, silver cooking up some haunting sounds. And maybe a couple monsters and murderers. The reason for the season. Well, I want to thank you all for coming out to this Halloween campfire stories. So good night for such stories. The plan is we will do these again on the last Wednesday of November and the last Thursday of December and the last Thursday of January, they're on the Ace Hotel calendar, and if I have the dates right, I will mention them on the radio show. There's a Desert Oracle radio show that broadcasts Friday nights at 10 p.m. in Joshua Tree on 107.7 FM, KCVZ, and it's really the best way to hear the show you can hear it driving through Mojave National Preserve, kind of coming in and out as the mountains block the signal right before they get you right before the satanic cult pulls you out of your car you can enjoy some quality radio on the FM now I'm going to tell you a little story and I'm going to quote a witness and part of it because it's a pretty good quote but we'll get there in a minute 1947 was a very, very strange year in America it was the beginning of the UFO phenomenon around the world started with a pilot out west called Kenneth Arnold who gave them their name, kind of by mistake. He described this fleet of boomerang-shaped craft as skipping across the sky, like if you skipped a stone or, in his weird family, a tea saucer on a pond. So instead of kind of flying from point to point, like a plane or a bird... It would be in one place, then be in another, then another, and they all sort of skipped across the sky in this way. 1947 was also a crucial year for a a occult lodge called the Agape Lodge in Pasadena that was led by the... The Founder of the Jet Propulsion Lab, Jack Parsons And his roommate and friend Until the friend stole all his money and disappeared A guy named L. Ron Hubbard They performed a ritual in the Mojave Desert Out by Rocket Site Road The north end of Edwards Air Force Base The old Murrock Airfield Now, for many years, I thought Murrock Airfield—that's the place in the right stuff, you know, with Chuck Yeager and all these aircraft records and test flights and these maniacs. And I thought it was a Native American name because it sounds—it sounds like some of the names you hear in some of the tribes of the the Mojave. But proving that you must always keep reading weird things so that you will continue learning strange trivia in middle age, I very recently learned that a family, the Curum family, of Scottish descent, I believe, decided to name their ranch that eventually became Edwards Air Force Base, the letters of their last name in reverse so M-U-R-O-C is simply their name reversed anyway Jack Parsons and L. Ron Hubbard did a uh, magical ritual they were running the California Lodge of Aleister Crowley the famed wickedest man alive magician and occultist from england of his oto i believe it means uh, ordo templi orientis his magic lodge that was started in uh, the romantic era in england that he took over about a century and 30 years back from now Parsons and Hubbard were working on something they called the Babylon working and the intent was to open a hole in our reality and let something come through and the symbol of this was going to be the appearance of a, uh, uh, a red-headed woman who appeared in the form of an artist named Marjorie Cameron. She showed up at the Pasadena Lodge. So they did this weird ritual. And if you've read any Crowleyan rituals, they weren't so much about, like, sacrificing goats or whatever. And I want to keep this, you know, for a family audience... But basically, uh, it involved a lot of self-pleasure in a ritual context, and chanting and spells and invoking various demons. The weird thing about Crowley is that a entity from another dimension was speaking to him when he was living in Cairo in Egypt. Uh, In the uh, 1910s, I believe. And he drew this creature. And it dictated the Book of the Law to him. And you look at this creature, and it is exactly the gray alien of our modern mythology, of the X-Files and whatnot. He did not claim it came out of a spaceship. So 1947 was a year of constant shocks, kind of like 2018. There were just a lot of things that did not add up with what people expected before. People were processing an enormous amount of evil, of atomic bombs, dropped on cities in Japan of Nazi concentration camps of UFOs of the horrible world war almost instantly transforming into a constant anxiety of the cold war So when a guy named Howard Hill spoke before the Los Angeles Transportation Club in September 1947 for a lunchtime audience and claimed that he was representing a friend and client who had discovered an underground city of a lost civilization in the Panamint Mountains outside of Death Valley, it was like number sixty-two of weird things that year, but it didn't. It did make the national news, which was kind of the point. And the uh, the Associated Press put out a bulletin that these uh, these these explorers had fallen through the alluvial soils near Wingate Pass on the south end of the Panamint Mountains in Death Valley and had dropped into caverns that they explored for days that went for miles and miles caverns that were filled with evidence of a lost civilization It made the rounds in the news. But because the discoverers described the implements of this civilization as being identical as those used in Masonic temples, which were kind of common middle-class social clubs at the time, they were sort of laughed off the world stage and nothing much came of it. But there was a Death Valley writer named uh, Bork Lee, and he wrote several books collecting the lore of Death Valley. And he's got a book called Death Valley Men that first was published in, I believe, uh, 1938. where he relates a story that was told to him by a couple of miners that he picked up on the two-lane north of Furnace Creek who were having car trouble. Borkley placed the event in the 1920s and a Mr. White, who was part of this party of three kind of uh, scrabble miners in a broken-down car, And he took them back to their place, and they sat around and had some drinks around the table. And they shared this. Mr. White claimed that they fell through alluvial soils very close to this point by Wingate Pass, south end of the Panamints, and they dropped into what looked like a subterranean Built environment. They went from room to room, finding weird things. In one chamber, they found mummified saber-toothed cats and dire wolves, like you see at La Brea Tar Pits. And then they come into a great, vast chamber. A long dining table in the center of it. He says, "'Gold spears, gold shields, gold statues, "'jewelry, thick gold bands on their arms. "'I found them. "'I fell into this underground city. "'There was an enormous room, big as this canyon. "'A hundred men were in it. "'Some were sitting around a polished table "'that was inlaid with gold and precious stones.'" Men stood round the walls of the room carrying shields and spears of solid gold. All the men, more than a hundred men, had on leather aprons, the finest kind of leather, soft and full of gold ornaments and jewels. They sat there and they stood there with all that wealth around them. And they are still there. They are all dead. In the next chamber there were openings in the mountain walls and crawling up to the edge of these openings they claimed that there was something smooth like landings, like boat landings and looking down they could see the green of Furnace Creek below at the bottom of Death Valley well they got out of there drawings maps and they tried to find someone interested in coming in and sharing their discovery so they contacted the Smithsonian and they said you can have it all for five million dollars surely a bargain of billions of dollars of gold and ancient treasures the Smithsonian wasn't interested but they got a little bit of local interest from the Southwest Museum in Los Angeles which uh, Gene Autry was a, a big funder of but the winter season came in just in time for flash floods to erase all evidence of their entrance as they said it changed the country all around And they could never find it again. The miners are known to tell a lot of tall tales. Death Valley Scotty in Death Valley was one who was famous for it. He was lucky enough to have a rich benefactor who let him live in the beautiful castle that came to be known as Scotty's Castle which was a couple of years ago, so damaged by flash floods that you could not even get access to it. It is something that happens there. Kenneth Arnold, who spread the idea of the UFO, his story appeared in the first issue of a magazine called Fate. Now, Fate was one of these magazines, like Amazing Stories, and these pulp magazines, but it was all supposed to be real. It wasn't fiction. It wasn't marketed as fiction. In the seventh issue of Fate, it's a magazine edited by a very strange character named uh, Ray Palmer. There's an article called... Um, Secrets of the Havmusev. And this was an article that purported to tell the story of the Timbisha people, the Timbisha Shoshone, who still live in Death Valley after a long fight with the federal government to get a reservation just outside of Furnace Creek, and then a summertime reservation in the uh, Pinyon Mountains of the Panamints. of a kind of skyship that they said had been going back and forth across Death Valley between the Panaman Funeral Mountains for as long as they had been there, which had been about a thousand years since they displaced the culture there before them, probably the Fremont culture. And they said that these strange characters were in these skyships and they described them as having this long golden hair and this tanned skin and these piercing eyes. And it's a description that matches almost exactly what George Van Tassel, the builder of the Integraton, gave for his space visitors, space brothers, whatever they were. They gave him instructions to go broke in landers. Build a dome with no nails. Many years later, Charles Manson heard these stories. He probably heard them on a television show called Death Valley Days, which was for a while hosted by Ronald Reagan. of a underground civilization beneath Death Valley, beneath the Panamints, especially. And he was intrigued by the story of Devil's Hole. Devil's Hole is a real place. It has the endangered Devil's Hole pupfish. And nobody knows how deep it goes or where it goes, but when there's a heavy earthquake in Alaska or South America, the water sloshes out of Devil's Hole in Death Valley. In 1965, four young divers, some of them still teenagers, went snorkeling into Devil's Hole. only two of them came back. Afterwards, scuba divers went looking for them, and they found no trace. The only thing that was ever found was a scuba mask and a flashlight that had been kind of hung on a rock. Several hundred feet in as a sort of marker. Charles Manson started telling his followers that there was an underground paradise under Death Valley. Now, once they started the race war in Los Angeles with their murders in the summer of 1969 they would hide out somewhere underneath the panamits where there were streams of fresh water and magical trees that had different fruits for each month of the year that would give them everlasting life and the family believed it so when he took them to the Panamint Mountains to a place called Barker Ranch, which they rented from a hard scrabble cattle rancher on what was then BLM land, it's now part of Death Valley National Park. They would go out on scoping expeditions looking for the hole that would lead to the underground paradise up in Saline Valley he tried to get a couple of his family members to dive into a hot springs and find the bottom but it was too hot they tried to find the bottom with a stone tied to a rope they couldn't find it and it said that he meditated for three days at Devil's Hole hoping for a revelation that would show him how to get through the waters and to the underground land that he had heard about from TV. Instead, in October of 1969, they were all arrested. Even Manson found hiding under a bathroom sink in the homestead because they had been going around stealing dune buggies and vandalizing national park signs. It turned out that he picked up his philosophy from a weird offshoot of O.T.O., the Crowleon Lodge, called the Solar Lodge. It started in 1965 in Los Angeles, right across the street from USC. They had a bookstore, an occult bookstore. They wound up going out to a place called Vidal Junction, which is just outside of Blythe, about two hours east of here. And they took over the gas station and the cafe and the motel. And they probably could have stayed out there a long time making their plans for the apocalyptic race war that would end our civilization. But there was a six-year-old, a six-year-old boy named uh, Saul Gibbons, who was the child of some of the members of the Solar Lodge, even though they were not particularly taking care of him. It was a colt. The kids were sort of free-range. Well, he accidentally, it is said, or maybe not accidentally, considering what he burned, started a fire in a barn and outbuilding that contained all of these precious papers of Aleister Crowley, spell books and diagrams into the other world, curses, letters, correspondence, rules. And the members of the Solar Lodge were furious. And so they began torturing the child. They burnt his hands and fingers with matches. And then they locked him in a shipping container, left him out under the desert sun. A bucket for food, a bucket for water, a bucket for a toilet. When the sheriff's deputies got there, they found the child sitting in there, shackled around his ankles. Baffled as to what was going on, the whole place swarming with flies, 110 degrees. And they got him out. And they arrested people. Some people fled on bail. Some people disappeared into Mexico. But there was a trial in October 1969 in India convictions and during that trial is when National Park Service Police CHP and Inyo County Sheriff's raided the Manson family's Barker Ranch in the Panamints. Manson was not a member of the Solar Lodge but he had passed through enough to take the absolute worst of what they would come up with This has been Desert Oracle Radio with a bonus episode on KCDZ, 107.7 FM in the high desert for your Halloween weekend. Be extra careful when you're driving around, lots of little bloodthirsty goblins running around. Plus all those children in their Halloween costumes. Thanks to Red, Blue, Black, Silver for the soundscapes and to you for listening to the program. Yes, Desert Oracle Radio is headed out on tour November, December 2021. Tickets are on sale now at DesertOracle.com. This is Ken Lane signing off. Good night from the Voice of the Desert.